I got it. When I first heard about Dave being trapped in a maze. One, two, three, four. I built a labyrinth. Can you believe it? Dave is trapped in a cardboard maze in his living room and he can't get out. Welcome to Dave Made a Minute, the podcast where a whole bunch of us are exploring the film Dave Made a Maze one minute at a time. The twist. Many of the participants have never seen the film. Some don't even know what film they're sampling. They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black. Minute 57, Harry interviews Cardboard Bryn. To tackle Minute 57, we have Eric Deutsch and Brad Mendenhall of Flash Gordon Minute. You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room. You're like, what the? There's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is wackadoodle crazy. This doesn't make any sense. Is a problem? Is a promise to my It's like a fucking cocktail party in here. If I get a few words from you before you go. We're at minute 57 of Dave Builds a Maze. Eric, how are you doing? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five! By the way, it was Dave made a maze, not Dave built a maze. Well, folks, this is Brad Mendenhall and Eric Deutsch from Flash Gordon Minute. Uh, High-fiving everyone out there. Hello, everyone. We were last here in Minute 33. We're back for Minute 57. Reminding everyone, I know nothing about this movie except Minute 33 and Minute 57. Creepy Minute. Wow, is this a creepy minute. Boy, we got a good minute here. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, the Bryn character. What a fantastic, yet also off-putting design. Oh yeah, I mean, she is creepy. She is a paper puppet on strings. I will have nightmares. Um, for me, she's up there with the tall man from the Phantasm movies. I mean, this is this is this is an out there character. You know, we, we don't know a lot about Dave Made a Maze, but it does feel like. And I understand this sort of how, not that I have a complete in-depth understanding of the movie business, but my understanding is films like this that are sort of small budget and uh, played a lot of award shows, or not award shows, but like a lot of film festivals and try to win awards at those film festivals, you're not so much trying to, I don't know, make big money and all that. You're trying to put together, they almost act as a resume. And the writers and directors and the designers are really trying very hard to uh, show that they can put together a coherent movie with some interesting visuals and get work out of that. And whoever is responsible for the design of Bryn, they should get more work. And I could very easily see somebody just ripping off Bryn or the director taking this design and using it effectively in some sort of gonzo out there, dream, nightmare, Freddy Krueger sort of um, scenario. Because it is creepy and off-putting and great design. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously we're we're in this paper world still. Um, We were clearly much deeper in the paper world than we were back in minute 33. It's just, it's just creepy. I, I don't really know. You know, it's uh, the, the, I don't have the thesaurus out. You know, it, what's another word for a thesaurus? It's just it's a really they did a great job with this character for someone like me who has not 
watched this movie and has just dropped in here to you know have this kind of reaction to this character. Well, Eric, you you are our uh, you're our recap guy. So recap what happens in this minute. Well, we start out uh, with uh, them holding up a sign that says Bryn with a question mark. So I guess this is the, they're just meeting Bryn, and, and they're not entirely sure that's actually her name. And as a little tangent, I just want to call attention to the name Bryn. When I was a kid, the only exposure I had to the name Bryn was there was a pitcher on the uh, Cardinals and the Expos named Bryn Smith. And I always thought it was a really cool first name. Uh, now, of course, that was a man. This character is a woman. Uh, but nevertheless, I just wanted to point out uh, Bryn Smith. 35 years ago with the baseball cards I had. We get her, and we get the, the crew, and now we don't have everybody from our previous minute. We've only got four of the six of the crew from 24 minutes ago uh, who were here with us. And they are going to interview her, clearly. And they're face-to-face -face with essentially a demon, and this director wants okay, to white balance. white balance. He's not thinking of safety. You, you just mentioned film festivals. This guy is thinking solely about film festival awards. He does not care that he's in this situation. It's all about his craft and getting the white balance. That's yeah, a jerky director. I had a little bit of a tough time picking out what exactly happened here with uh, the second piece of paper. Yes. I think it. I, I, I watched that specific few seconds several times. I think her stomach is sucking. I think it's sucking it in through her stomach. Yeah, I, and I sort of thought that's what was going on, but it, it may not have been the... Um, and they're trying to do a whole lot here. They're trying to do a whole lot here. God bless them. And, and it's an interesting effect, the way it gets sucked in, and to show sort of the weird danger. But I, I think they they need to pull back a little bit and and try to to show it a second time because it didn't track that well. And perhaps mm -hmm. it would have helped in you and I are both situation where we're joining this experiment and people, uh, I'm sure if people who've been listening to this podcast, some people have watched the whole movie. Some people have done a lot of research. Eric and I haven't, we we've decided we were going to go in and just watch our minutes and sort of try it that way and have some fun. Um, perhaps if you've watched the minutes surrounding this, you get a, you have a better idea of what's happening here. But um, or perhaps you don't. <laughs> or perhaps you don't. But so it's not tracking fantastic for me. It's a neat effect. The sound cues on it are cool, but I'm not really a hundred percent sure what's going on. Here's here's my theory of this Bryn character and, and and what's going on here. She is made out of the same stuff as the walls that are surrounding her. She's she's a paper person also. And so I'm wondering, could she be the personification of the labyrinth that they're in? She's on strings. So I'm thinking she is this enigmatic evil character that's been controlling the whole situation. She has led these people along this maze until they have reached her specifically so she can get high fives from them. That's what this movie is all about. Everyone's own personal need to get high fives from as many as people as possible, a.k.a. acceptance, friendship, companionship, whatever. This whole movie is a metaphor for that. And so, however, Bryn is on strings. So while she is controlling the people, something else is controlling her. And I'm wondering if the labyrinth itself is controlling her, since she is made out of the paper that the labyrinth is made out of. 
Yeah, it's sort of interesting to see. She's obviously a malicious character, but she's sort of held up by strings and trying to figure out, uh, is this a possessed character? They obviously have, uh, you know, awareness of Bryn, so I, it's sort of an intriguing thing. Uh, yeah, I just don't know what's going on. It's creepy. She's creepy. It's a great design. <laughs> And I might I want I wanted to I want to throw in a, a little a Flash Gordon reference for uh for us since that's who we are the Flash Gordon minute guys when they do the close up of her face because you can see the eyes the mask I'm getting some Clytus vibes Brad yeah there's a bit of Clytus there's a little bit of Clytus going on there uh whenever you do a character like this the hardest thing to do is the eyes uh any sort of mask trying to make the eyes work is challenging because. If it's supposed to be otherworldly or weird, and then there's eyes, and often what they'll do is they'll put makeup under the mask to either black out the rest of the eye or make it match the, the mask, and that's sort of what they did here. But it, it's still the person's eyes. Yeah, yeah. The the movie, uh, um, oh my god, what's the movie? Is it Millennium, the Chris Christopherson airplane movie? Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Okay. There's there's that robot in the future that has human eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's almost you almost wonder if they just you know they couldn't figure out how to make good robot eyes. They said, "Ah, the hell would they just leave the, the eyes, you know, human, and we don't just won't even discuss it." You know, there's a bit of that vibe in here too. You're right. Everything about her is this paper, the hair, the face, you know, but there are clearly the human eyes uh, in the eye sockets. Got to call out, um, obviously, low budget movie. Not a lot of big name actors, uh, but working actors. And in this scene sort of features two actors that I'm actually a little bit familiar with. Amazing. Yeah, not by name, but uh, two actors in this minute who've appeared in two of my favorite shows of all time. Hmm. So uh, first, talk about Adam Bush. Who, uh, gentleman with, uh, he's the one who walks up with the piece of paper. Uh, and he, he is, uh, what's his character's name? Look at the IMDb, cause I'm, ter- I'm terrible at names at the best of times. Uh, he plays Gordon. Uh, gentleman with the beard walks up with the paper that gets sucked out of his hand. He was one of the main villains. In the uh, a late season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, hmm. Uh, Eric, were you a Buffy fan? Uh, I saw episodes here and there, so I wouldn't go so far to call me a fan. But I, I watched enough episodes that I'm at least like you know familiar with the basics of the show. In the second to last season, um, the the main villains for the big chunk of the season were these three sort of geeky guys who had some magical abilities and warren was the main evil geeky guy he was the one who was really evil the other two were just sort of jerks who wanted to cast spells um and he was yeah he, he was warren um he, he was effective bad guy in it because he was sort of a schlubby nerdy guy that a lot of viewers of buffy could relate to and then he just turned malignant over the course of the season uh so it, Guy who's had a nice career, uh, has appeared on anything, everything from just looking at his IMDb. He yeah, appeared on he's one of these guys who's appeared in a lot of TV shows and movies: Terminator, the Sarah Chronicle, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, Grey's Anatomy, 
uh, has had some recurring work on shows. So, uh, he was also in the show last year, the Netflix series Altered Carbon. So, you know, hey, it's a working actor. And the other, we have Harry, played by James Urbaniak. Uh, and another one of these, uh, and he plays the director. Another one of those actors whose face you sort of recognize. Um, he was on a handful of episodes of The Office as Rolf, uh, who was uh, became a, a good friend of uh, Dwight Schrute's uh, partway through the show. But uh, he has a fantastic voice and uh, used to great use because he's been in a ton of uh, animated stuff. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, he played the Ebony Maw, which was a recurring villain. Um now, he, now, that's just in the cartoon. Not yeah. He wasn't the voice of Ebony Maw in, in Infinity War. Correct, correct. Okay. Um, and also, for me, I'm a big fan of the show Venture Brothers, an Adult Swim program that's been running since 2003. And he is the voice of Dr. Venture, one of the main characters. And a fantastic voice. And he plays a handful, voices a handful of characters on there. Uh, a very good vocal actor. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's in... I, when I saw the minutes with him, I sort of recognized him, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then I recognized his voice. He's like, why do I know that? And then I IMDb'd it. It's like, oh, okay, Dr. Venture. Cool. Anything sorry, <laughs> sorry, can't help you there. I don't know that There's show. There's actually no follow-up. It's like, okay, yeah, it was on a show that you've never watched. I think I know more about this movie, Maze movie, than I do about that show. <laughs> I'm a big Venture Brothers fan. Uh, it's, it's a show that is a um, sort of a parody uh, of the old Johnny Quest TV show. Basically, the, the conceit is, you know, what if Johnny Johnny Quest grew up to be a loser? And uh, yeah, hilarity ensues. So, uh, really fun Adult Swim show. If you like Rick and Morty, uh, you would probably like Venture Brothers. They sort of take shots at the same stupidity in pop culture. Folks, I swear, if you listen to Flash Gordon Minute, that Brad and I do share a lot of similar pop culture uh, interests. Uh, It just happens to be that he is throwing out all kinds of shows that I have never seen uh, today. Uh, I I swear that we (laughs) do share a lot of interests. It's just, it's not coming across today. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. (laughs) All right, what else do we have from this minute? Well, Bryn goes into some kind of freaky seizure. Um, you know, it's just fast, rapid fire. Uh, speaking of Infinity War, like what Doctor Strange does when he's looking into the future in an Infinity War, uh, it fits with the creepiness of the character. We will never know, uh, Brad and I, why she's doing that. Let's hope that those of you listening to the show and, and watching the movie will, uh, in a future minute, get an explanation for why she's doing that. Uh, and I want to call out um, what Bryn's wearing on her feet. Uh, at Flash Court a Minute, we like to call out lazy script writing and occasionally lazy prop work on our show that we've come across in our movie. And maybe I'm not seeing it well, but it looks to me that she's wearing some sort of boots or shoes on her feet, that her feet are the one part of her that is not paper person nobody will ever notice that uh so unless i'm seeing that wrong to me i just feel like couldn't they have 
also included the feet? Why are the feet not papered when everything else is? And it, it which comes across as you know, it's kind of lazy. It's just just finish the look. I mean, maybe it's yeah, the lighting. And I'm you're wrong, right. And I'm, I am okay. Yeah. It, it if it is the paper, they they didn't. Completely possible that it is paper. I don't think it is. I think those are just uh, suede boots. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, they should have wrapped a couple of things of paper around there, or at least over the top, and she, yeah, she's got some super glue. Uh, she is sitting what what my kids call now crisscross applesauce. Uh, yes. <laughs> Not what we called it when we were growing up, Brad. I don't yeah. even think you can say anymore what we called it growing up. No, no. It's uh, yeah. But uh, you know, perhaps they were hoping that when they she folded her legs like that, they would hide the boots better. But no, no, it's just uh, yeah, those are boots. Or maybe they literally ran out of paper on this movie before they when they had done everything on the set and the customs except her feet. And instead of just running down to the Rite Aid down the street to get some more, they said to hell with it and just left their feet like that. Yeah, or maybe she's gonna have to walk in a few minutes, and they if they paper it up, she's gonna just be slipping. Hmm. A quick interruption, because one, Brad and Eric wouldn't know that that boot, she's only wearing one, by the way, is the same boot that she was wearing when she was still human. But two, apparently they don't notice she's wearing clothes. She has a jacket, no longer the jacket she had before. It has turned brown, but it is still cloth. I do, uh, it is interesting you call out the the sort of spasms that she has, which is a, a nifty camera trick that is unnerving. Because probably all of us have um, been around someone or have someone in our family or had a classmate or something, uh, known someone who has uh, epileptic fits, that sort of uncontrollable quaking that used to be experienced. And it, it is unnerving um, when they sort of take that and give a supernatural twist to it. Because, uh, you know, like I say, I, I remember I, there's people like, uh, there's, uh, some people I care about that uh, deal with that malady, and uh, it, it's a scary thing. And when you sort of take something that people have had experiences with, and then give it like that special effects twist, uh, it, it can be a little disturbing. Sure, it's like it's it's similar to like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You take a, a basic fear of something, and then you throw Freddy Krueger into the mix of that fear, and so it heightens it. All right, I think we uh, I think we got it, uh, Eric. Where should we uh, people check out uh, flat, our little uh, slice of the internet, uh, Flash Gordon Minute? Yeah, if you like the minute movies by minute format, uh, come check us out with our, ours, Flash Gordon Minute. So uh, our website is growlermedia.com slash Flash Gordon. Growler is G R O W L E R. Growlermedia.com slash Flash Gordon. We have a fan page on Facebook, which is the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex, and we are active on Twitter. Flash Gordon Pod. Yeah, we ask everyone to you know check us out because we have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit different uh, than this because uh, you know this film we haven't heard about before. Uh, so we're going into blind Flash Gordon. We've loved our entire lives, but uh, you know we, we're having a great time. And uh, Eric, we we will we will we die. We will be back. <laughs> Was that a Johnny Carson or a Jerry Lewis uh, you were doing there? It's like a mix in between. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, lady, we're going to be back for more Dave Minute Maze. Yeah, weird, wild stuff. Yeah.
we don't usually do impressions. <laughs> I do. And then I can probably disarm all the traps, and then we can we can finish this maze. Who is with me? That was Eric Deutsch and Brad Minden Hall of Flash Gordon Minute taking a minute fifty-seven of Dave Made a Maze. They will be back in minute seventy-four. Next time on Dave Made a Minute, we've got Eric Nash of Watchmen Minute and Connor Colson of Prometheus Minute taking a minute fifty-eight. Thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute. Intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears, and produced by John Charles Meyer. Intro music is Diversion by The Equals, featured in the film Dave Made a Maze, and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, and check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening. As long as we're all working together, it's just fine. It's going to be great. There's two ways to stand. And right now, I'm thinking they're both gonna hurt. Totally. Wait, what?